Hi, Enneagram enthusiasts. This is your host, Leslie Root. I'm a mom, I'm a therapist, but most important, I'm a human and I love the Enneagram. I can't wait to show you how to bring the Enneagram into your practice, into your coaching business, into your life so that you can discover your inner gifts and your true north. Enneagram enthusiasts. I'm so excited to have you back for the second half of our podcast on childhood messages, childhood wounds. So last time we ended off with Enneagram six and today we're going to start with seven. But before we go there, I would just love to invite all of you to our Facebook group where we are doing Facebook lives and we are learning and sharing about our experiences with the Enneagram. If you do desire to join our group, I will have some notes in this episode. So please don't hesitate. We're excited to have you. Great. Well, wonderful. So starting off today, we are talking about ding, 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 the wounds, right? So I think, again, one of the things that separates the Enneagram from any other personality assessment is that it talks about the core wounds, our core attachment wounds from childhood. And um, it's dead on. I'll have to tell you, in working with clients, in working with the Enneagram, every time when I find out uh, what a person type what a person's type is and start to evaluate the early childhood messages, the early attachment wounds, it is dead on. It's creepy guys, but amazing. Um, so let's get started with number seven. Number seven, our fun type, our enthusiast, sometimes called the epicure, um, adventurer, lots of names for our seven. Their core childhood wound is it's not okay to depend on anyone for anything, which I thought was quite fascinating. As I learned more about the Apicure, the Adventurer, Enneagram 7, um, I found out more that a lot of their behavior stems from the belief that their needs aren't going to get met and that it's not okay to depend on anybody for anything. What I found too with sevens is they have a deep seated fear of being trapped in pain. So a lot of their behavior is motivated by the desire to not be trapped in pain. Um, with the seven too, that lost childhood message or the message they longed to hear was you will be taken care of. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. Sevens come across like everything's great a lot of the time, like everything's fun. Um, they're fun. They're charismatic. They're enjoyable, right? Underneath that facade, though, is um, is a driver, and the driver is fear. The driver is fear and anxiety, and the fear and anxiety is that um, really because they can't depend on anyone, they can't get trapped because they are their only means of getting out of that situation. Uh, so sevens, that core childhood wound, core childhood unconscious message was it's not okay to depend on anyone. After seven comes eight, our challenger, our boss, very familiar with the eight guys. I'm an eight, um, eight, seven wings. So these seven, eight numbers are really resonating for me. With the eight, um, the eight is known as 
having the passion of excess and having the virtue of innocence and the unconscious message for that eight or that core wound for that eight is if I'm vulnerable, I will be taken advantage of or to be vulnerable or to trust anyone is not okay. And when you think about that and you think about the eights in your life, it is as if they're projecting um, this belief that someone will threaten them, but it's projected. And the truth is, Enneagram 8, I don't think anybody could um, threaten you, <laughs> but try to convince an 8 of that. So really, their behavior is motivated by this belief that they're going to be taken advantage of if they don't stand tall, if they don't stand strong, and if they don't call out exactly what they're seeing. Now, the thing is the eight sees through this lens that's, um, you know, that's cloudy, that most people aren't in any way, shape or form interested in threatening an eight. It's like threatening a bull. You're just not really interested in it. But um, again, you know, eights are blind to that because that core childhood message is that if I'm vulnerable, um, I will be taken advantage of or I will be hurt. The lost childhood message in this one resonated for me big time is you will not be betrayed. And when I think about betrayal as an eight. Man, as a kid, it happened so early. I can remember instances where I felt like, wow, um, a caregiver or a parent chose this other thing over me. Or, um, you know, uh, a friend chose this other thing over me. And with eights, they don't realize that putting that much pressure on someone is just not it's not realistic. It's not emotionally uh, mature. It's not relational, right? But as an eight, it's almost like the fixation on the I'm not, either you're with me or against me gets stronger and stronger over time. So eights, the biggest gift you can give an eight is therapy. <laughs> therapy for an eight is just the gift that keeps on giving because eights do not know how to be vulnerable. It's almost like someone cut off um, one of their hands and they're like, so what? I can still I can still do whatever I can do without this hand, but in reality they can't, right? If we're not emotionally mature, we can't have the intimacy that we deserve as human beings and the intimacy that we need to be able to have energy, to be able to um, feel good in our world and to be able to not be in addictive um, addictive patterns. So again, you know, coming back on the seven and the eight, they are, unfortunately, guys, I'm sorry, our addicts of the Enneagram. So with sevens and eights, a lot of times I'll see workaholism, I'll see um, chemical addiction, I'll see sex addiction or sexual acting out behaviors, um, whatever we want to call it. Um, and it dies hard. So a lot of times with these two numbers, we are working on how to have secure attachment and how to overcome those beliefs that we can't depend on anyone or anything and we can't be vulnerable because those two beliefs paired up that eight with the seven wing is a recipe for disaster people recipe for disaster um once these two types though kind of start to do their work um they shift big time so that power that both of these these types bring the seven and the eight that energy that asserter type it turns into this amazing, powerful love. 
And I will tell you, man, I know a lot of seven therapists, a lot of seven therapists coming to our workshop coming up here on November 21st and a lot of eight therapists where you, um, you can feel it. You can feel their love and you can feel them um, encouraging you to grow. And that is something beautiful. So when sevens and eights, when they flip, and when I mean flip, I mean, when they flip to the, um, to the lightness away from the dark side, they are pretty unstoppable. Um, but when they're unhealthy, they're pretty destructive, pretty, they're quite destructive. Um, so those two messages tend to leave these two numbers as more avoidant in their love style. Um, so for those of you that are Pia Melody fans, usually with these types, you're going to see some avoidant behavior. You'll usually see some one-up behavior. One-up in our world is grandiose. Um, so you'll see these two types go to the one-up walled in or one-up boundaryless. Eight is more likely to do one-up boundaryless. Seven, generally speaking, does more one-up walled in, but not always. So something to watch out for with these two types, especially in therapy, you're going to be wanting to work on that avoidancy and what drives it. And... Um, also, some of those love addiction traits as well with both of these types. Um, eights more so than seven is what I'd say because sevens just tend to run avoidant. They just do, guys. If you disagree or if you've seen it different, oh my gosh, please, 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 please let us know because I'd love to get more data to just fill my data bank on this. Okay. Now we have nines. I have so many nines in my world. Nine, I love you. You are the mediator. You are the peacekeeper. Oh my gosh. Do we ever need a nine right now, guys? I am really missing Obama, one of our most famous nines. I am missing him. I'm missing the peace he brought, that neutrality he brought. Just how your system could really just settle in and say, ah, oh, we're okay. Things aren't perfect, but we are okay. So that energy of the nine, I think of as almost water energy. They just cool everything down. Now, nines, how did they become like that? <laughs> right? So what's the darker side of this? So that childhood message for the nine was it's not okay to assert yourself, right? Like it's not okay for you to kind of have a say. It's not okay for you to have an opinion, it's not okay for you to get up in there and like have it be about you. So with nines, um, generally they are struggling with merging and not really knowing themselves. It is the forgetting of self for the nine. In order for them to have peace, it's almost like they forget themselves completely and anger goes to sleep. Here's what we know about anger, guys. When I think about anger, it's fire, it's energy. We need it, right? We need healthy anger. And with nines, sometimes it's supporting them and recognizing that need for healthy anger and helping them wake up to their anger. So with nines, it's not okay to assert yourself as that unconscious childhood message that they pick up, up on. Either it's verbalized or generally speaking, I think we're born with our type. I think our soul is just born with a type and that we find data to support the type. So maybe people see it differently. This is how I see it. Um, wonderful thing is we get to see it however we want to. So what I think about with nines is they are picking up on any cues that would tell them that it's not okay to assert themselves. So with nines, learning how to do assertion is um, part of that therapeutic process. 
the lost childhood message or the message that the nine desires to hear, their heart needs to hear is your presence matters. Your presence matters. And it so does. So with nines, man, when nines learn their value, they are just amazing because they have this beautiful ability to really see all the sides and to really see those sides like no other number. Um, so nines, love you guys. And hey, your presence matters. So with nines finding out how to transition them from lost child to like, you are lovable. You get to be your own parent now. You get to reparent yourself. You get to matter. You get to have worth. So that's so amazing when nines move out of the unconscious messages, out of those early attachment wounds those early ambivalence. It's almost like ambivalence, but not always. And um, get into what their heart desires to hear, which is that they matter. They are um, amazing. They're on fire. They're so well balanced. Um, what some teachings believe is that for those of you that kind of are down with the guru Jesus, right? Um, he was a nine, right? So the completion of the cycle, the cool thing with these numbers is they um, they represent a cycle and nine is the completion of the cycle, the ability to see all sides. When nines are healthy, they're pretty amazing leaders. I would say nines, hey guys, I'm just going to put it out there. one of the best leaders because they don't desire power. They just don't, right? So when they get into leadership positions, they really represent all the people. Maybe you remember... <laughs> Sorry, going off on a tangent here. The end of um, the dragon show. What is it called? The end of Game of Thrones. That's the name of the show. Sorry, guys. Um, Game of Thrones. If you remember um, Jon Snow, total nine, right? Like didn't want power, but also couldn't stand by and watch um, horrible, awful things happen. And then in the end, Bran Stark. Again, Enneagram 9, I would say different subtype, but um, same ability to see all sides and to pick fairly and to pick in ways that benefit the whole. So nines, please don't give up on yourselves. Your presence matters. With that, it ends... That was so quick today, right, guys? It ends our Enneagram journey around the lost childhood messages, around the early childhood wounds, around the unconscious childhood messages. So if you want to learn more, again, come check us out. We are going to be having a workshop on November 21st, and it will be Minnesota time. So that's central time, guys. It'll be from nine to noon. And then noon to one, we'll have Q&A. Here's the really cool thing. As soon as you join the workshop, you get access to our small group on Facebook where we are typing people who are coming to the workshop, where we are talking about the types, where we're talking about our types, we're talking about client types, all this good stuff. So I'm excited for you to join our group and I hope you're having a wonderful day. Take care and bless.